McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas is in home heaven. They won the first ever national championship. Handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it! Two seconds. Unbelievable. And midcourt launches the shot. Oh, and almost went in. Almost went in. And Duke is the king of the dance. 2010. Outside. This is the point where he always hits it. Oh! Aaron Harrison, beyond belief. From the outside now, it's Page off balance. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. The national champions. Incredible performance. Shock and awe in college basketball. UNBC makes history in Charlotte. It's March. You'd smell the onions in the air. Mart, welcome back. Dude, this is so so exciting. I mean, I know everybody just gets it's you just get giddy for it, man. It's the fucking best time of the year. Yeah, you also you also just are given an extra hour of light right before the tourney starts, which gives you a boost. Just, dude, that, that, that was a complete backdoor spring forward. I, was not, <laughs> I did not see that coming. I totally forgot about it. I'm sure that was a, a little backdoor. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I had no idea what was going on Sunday morning. Uh, it was a long Saturday, but um, not many better weeks than this. We're tipping off the field of 68 today. Field of 64 on Thursday. Wanted to jump right in these play-in games that we're going to be seeing tonight and tomorrow night. We'll, uh, we'll leave the 16 seed playing games for another app. Got Texas A&M Corpus Christi minus three and a half. So it's some, some big, some big, uh, big uh, plays coming up here. So, so hopefully by yeah, the time our, you guys all listen to this, uh, I'm one and zero on the tournament. It's big for our Corpus Christi listeners uh, that you're <laughs> behind them. Come just first first game, first tip of the tournament. That's, that's probably like half half our fan base is texting them <laughs> Corpus Christi students. <laughs> yeah, um, but we'll get into these playing games, these 11, 11 seed playing games. We talked a bit about, historically speaking, how dangerous some of these playing teams have been, namely UCLA of three seasons ago with the miracle run to the final four, and they were just a Jalen Suggs half-court heave away from going to the national championship. Then we've had teams like the Irish go in last year and Michigan State teams of old always give give trouble out of the play-in. That 11 seems like, it seems like spot. Arizona State. Arizona State's in it. Like I think it's the third time under Hurley they've been in it. It's nuts. That guy just lives to go to Dayton, Ohio with his teams. It's like it's like di- they dial up on the on the preseason board. It's like when they pack twelve, just like play in Dayton in the first four. It's it's like one of their goals every year. But <laughs> yeah, there there are. It is weird when you see brackets come out. How you can't put your finger on it, but every team has a seed that you feel like they can't get away from. Um, I feel like Michigan State plays it either as a seven or a ten every yeah. fucking year. Yeah, sometimes they get that eleven. But first game I wanted to get into, or first team I
played Duke tough earlier in the year. They beat Virginia down to the wire against Clemson, win against Syracuse. And they, they just, they just reek of a team to me that slides to the sweet 16 um, beach just hopping in. Welcome. Good to be back. How are we guys? Uh, sir, how Good. You We're talking a little uh, playing game, playing game hoops right now. Yeah, we got uh, what time is that on? Starts tonight. Yeah, um, Central. Texas A&M Corpus Christi is giving giving everybody a run for their money right now. No, I, what about SEMO? <laughs> can't can't Southeastern Missouri. Um, I if we're going to talk about playing games as a whole, I have one circled, and that is the ASU Nevada game. Now, to me, that just reeks of that game that that team is going to make an impact. I mean, we've seen it like the, maybe a UCLA of the past couple of years. I mean, people forget they were a playing game. And kind of why I do is because I think like including that, and I'd include that in the Mississippi State game as well. But I think it's so unique is because you get a team that is most likely played in a good conference all year and is from a conference with a lot of other bids and teams that other got that got good bids. Like They are a good conference and they've played those teams at home. They've played them on the road. Maybe they beat some of those other teams at home. I think this is where you see what conferences are kind of like been the best. And it's these power five teams that can kind of, Oh, all of a sudden last four in to final four, you know, it it happens. So for me, ASU is that team. I have them circled. I have them in my bracket this year. I just have them, you know, 11 seeds are dangerous and I have them winning that first game obviously the playing game, and then I have them beating TCU. Um, so I'd love to see them kind of get it done. I think they play tomorrow night, um, but that's my one I have circled. Well, yeah. yeah, we and Chuck, you got into it about how an 11 seed always seems to steal one. Um, and I think it's solely from the fact that, I mean, when, when it comes down to it, these these kids are 100% nervous. It's March, like the light, it's, it's like, all right, this is our season. You know what I mean? You got a chance to play for a national championship. And that's why a lot of those times you'll see, well, that, that can even lead to like some crazy upsets or anything like that, like high, high, really high seeds winning. But then it comes to, and when, when you have a game under your belt, you're like, all right, we have a win. Every, like our shooters are in a rhythm, you know what I, and you come out for a team that's cold, that hasn't played anybody that's could be a little nervous and you get jump out to a 10 point lead or anything like that. And, the other team could be like, holy shit, like this. And then it, it can lead to a win. It's, it's how it works. It's momentum. It's, it's de- definitely a thing in sports. But, yeah, I don't so, know. So is there anything else uh, for why you're on Mississippi State? Yeah, I would say, um, I don't know. I, they're very, very good defensively, where I think if they kind of limit a little bit of what Pitt can do, which is Pitt's solid shooting team, they, they can score in general. You go, I mean – you do that, and Mississippi State is one of the worst shooting teams in the country, so that obviously doesn't help them. But I feel – but that's Pitt's weakness is their, is their defense. So they – but Mississippi State's got a solid solid inside presence. So you kind of feed inside a little bit, get the big guys going. If they get going – I mean, th- these are still D1 athletes. So you get – if they're doubling down, you get some shooters open. I mean, I think they can knock them down, and I – I usually lean towards the side of defense in this tournament because, like I said, I feel like offenses can go cold, kids get nervous type of thing, where that, that would, that's why I picked uh, Mississippi State tonight. But I What about we'll Nevada, too? Because it sounds like Beach came in, and I feel the exact same way about this Arizona State team. 
might be me just still gassed up on them from that win against Arizona, but they've played in a tough Pac-12 all season. They've played some four or five teams with a bid this year. And what have you seen from Nevada that that gives them the edge in this game? I think I just think they have something to prove. I know everybody's saying like, yeah, they're the team that didn't belong type of thing where like the coach, you you know what I mean? Keep all the receipts and that's, that's going to fire you up. Those kids are going to be like, fuck it. Like if it, we're going to prove America wrong. And I feel like that, that tends to be a factor when it comes to, especially, I mean, these games are so close. Like, what are they? Two point spreads where it's essentially a pick them. So if, if you try and find X factors when you're picking sides, like that's, that could be an edge, but. I just yeah, put a lot more weight on the good the goodness of the conference. You know, I think Chuck really hit on it. I mean, I, I don't know how many Pac-12 teams are in. I think maybe four, but Oregon yeah, was four. right on the bubble. Oregon was right on the bubble as well. So, I mean, they kind of have like five in that area. And also, if you just look at the context, of, I mean, Arizona and UCLA, both two seeds. I mean, they battled all year and yet they had to play both of them. So I just put a lot of weight on that. I truly think that ASU is just like an underrated team that's kind of found some rhythm towards the end of the year. Um, I know they kind of didn't look good against Arizona, but they have before. Um, I hope they can get it going. I'm glad they got this game to kind of get it going because you really hit on it. Um, and if you play it, enter that round of 64 with a win, it's like, okay, these guys can play. They, they got, they got it going. They got shooters going. So that's my reason for ASU. Uh, that's why I think they can make a run. Um, and obviously it all starts tomorrow night with that. So yeah, the I I do want to disclaim because it's not like I'm some massive um AZ State guy or massive Pitt guy, but if if AZ and Pitt lose these games, I will be taking Nevada and Mississippi State in the first round. I it does Whatever team, whatever team comes out of these, until, I will be taking over. Breaks. I will until be taking over Iowa State and over TCU, especially over TCU. That's why I love that spot. All the internal stuff going on at TCU right now is the. It was the worst time. Uh, our beloved Eddie Lampkin in the news in the college basketball world. He he brought us so much joy last year against Powerhouse Arizona. Almost took him down in that game in overtime. But sad to see him go. He's no longer with the team. Definitely something that kind of weakens your team as a whole when you lose that happy-go-lucky man in the middle that is such a morale guy, seems like, just from just from seeing uh, seeing him play the last two years. Losing that, having people being in the news for the wrong thing ahead of the tournament is never ideal. You want to be in the news for maybe taking down some teams that people had higher than you in the in the in your conference tournament. Finishing strong, you got a kid that's playing out of his mind, a shooter. Like last year, we're talking the eleven seeds with Notre Dame. They win their, they scrap one out in the in the first or the round of sixty eight. And then they go and play a much better Bama team. But Cormac Ryan got absolutely scalding hot in that first game, put the team on his back and was able to take down a a superior Alabama team. So I think more so TCU than Iowa State, because Iowa State is a tough team. So is TCU. But with with all the extracurricular stuff going going on in Fort Worth right now, 
that is such a great spot for an 11 seed to continue this trend. I'm not, I'm not picking um, that winner to be TCU, but I'm, I'm taking Iowa state to go down. So you I'm got, you got, you got to keep, I like, you got, you I got, like, uh, keep riding with the trend. At least, at least one of them for every, everybody listening out there, you got to pick at least one of these playing guys to win. You have to. That's and if it's and if it's fairly Dickinson, so be it. <laughs> so next on on the trends we've been talking about, and I I think I used this this verbiage the last time, but I think obviously there's will never be a perfect bracket, and it's daunting when you're putting it together because you want everything to be perfect, but Every time you make a pick, you know it's probably gonna miss. And following the following the trends, like we're talking about the eleven seed, and like we're gonna get into now, is to me feels like you're kind of shrinking your bracket a little bit, like how you how you kind of go in first thing and pencil in all the one seeds. You know, it kind of yeah. it gives you that you know you're you're just shrinking your bracket just a little bit. You got four games you don't have to worry about. There's only been one in history. Um, with sad sack Virginia a few years back, but what I'm getting into is the 12 five. We see one every year. Some, some years we see two. Well, what about, is the most about, likely 12 five we're seeing? I want to point out before we pick the matchups <clears throat> that the trend on the 12 five is even it's crazier where I think it's over the last um, five years, the 12 tw- or five versus 12 straight up is only 21 and 19. So it's essentially a pick. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a pick dude. It's like 50-50 in these recent tournaments. Yeah. It's actually, I always 19. That's great. I so, always pencil in two 12s every year. Yeah, so who do you guys who do you guys like this year? Then my my number one, I think Charleston gets it done. I think San Diego State is an extremely weak 5 seed. Charleston's been look great all season. Uh, they've competed with some teams. Uh, they're my lock at the 12. I think I will even be betting on that. Um, I think my, excuse me, I think Miami is a strong five. I got Miami winning and then I hate to do it, but as a Dayton fan, but I like VCU just, I feel that matchup with St. Mary's like St. Mary's is just, you know, they're a good team, but they, you know, they play in that same concert as conference as Gonzaga. They had the one win over Gonzaga, but ultimately um, I, I still think they're too strong of a five seed. And so for that reason, I got VCU over them. Um, and then rounding it out, I think Duke is just tremendously underrated at the five. So to me, I can't even call that a 12 five because yeah. of how underrated they are. So Duke and Miami, ACC, I got them winning 12 seeds. I got Charleston and VCU. The, yeah. the one that jumped off the page immediately for me, and this might be just from having seen them in so much more volume this year has got to be VCU. I mean, they go and they dominate the A-10. They win the conference championship. I I think they're more like a 10 seed, 9 seed, 10 seed. I think a 12 seed, I, I was surprised that they were as low as a 12 seed because I think the throughout their entire body of work, they've had a very impressive season. The they pass the eye test. Every VCU team that's ever stepped out on the field, Hawks defensively, they've kept that they've kept that defensive culture through coach after coach, which is crazy. A lot of guys try to come in and and change things up a little bit, but they have a ton of talent. They 
they learned how to beat Dayton, who came out firing on Sunday. They learned in the middle of that game how they were going to beat Dayton. And they they perfected their game plan for how to shut down Dayton. We missed our last 15 shots of the game. I can't say I've ever seen that happen in a college basketball game. So I'm definitely taking VCU. I think they're underseeded. And I think I think that's kind of a um kind of a shit draw, honestly, for St. Mary's. That's a tough after having a great year like they did to get a, a team like VCU when you get you go out and snag a five seed. Obviously, five seeds are scary because everyone knows the uh knows the numbers behind that at this point. It's no surprise to anybody. Other ones I'm not too confident about. San Diego State is a solid team. 26, 27 and six. Yes, they won 27 games, which is an accomplishment in and of itself, but they don't jump off the page. But I think I'm still taking them to take down Charleston and Duke Beach. I could not agree more. They've gotten better almost every game this season. They've looked tremendous down the stretch. We talked about Pitt earlier. They took Pitt to the cleaners last week, beat them by 30, which was one of the most impressive wins of the year, I think, in the entire ACC. So I might be sticking to one twelve five this year, and it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be VCU. Even though it's obviously the trend twenty one nineteen, like I brought up, I actually only have one twelve five two, and it's one we haven't brought up, and that's Drake to beat Miami. And I I don't know. I think this Drake team is just they're the oldest team in college basketball. They have like two twenty five year olds or some bullshit. They have a, a superstar uh, forward. The, the coach's son is a beast. Um, What's it Coach's called? Coach's son's eaten March. Yeah, exactly. The RJ Hunter, uh, but uh, and plenty others. But yeah, no, I, it's, they're just well-rounded team. They they murdered Bradley. A very good Bradley team in their in their conference championship game to come to the tournament, and they're underseeded. I'm hesitant because I really do like this Miami team too. I think I was I was always going to pencil in Drake as winning this game, no matter what, just from what I saw, but. The fact that they drew Miami, I'm like, damn, because I, I I did do like this Miami team, and I they got the guards, they got everything, but I mean the the spread's down to two points, one and a half points. It's crazy how how much respect this Drake team's getting, and I'm riding with them for now. But the reason. rest of them, like um like you said, I Duke is not a fight. I it's a tough draw for this Oral Roberts team, which has been there, done that, very good team. But this Duke team is firing on all cylinders, and I think. They get it done, and I don't know. The, the rest of that, I agree. San Diego State, I think Charleston's overrated just because of their record. They haven't played shit. I think they're they're like 330th in strength of schedule, so that that's kind of indicative of itself. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, and then I'm, I'm kind of riding with St. Mary's. I think that's going to be a sexy pick as VCU, but I think St. Mary's been a great team all year, and I think they get it done. Yeah, um, my thing about Duke is I, I think they've been injured. I think when they finally had their full team on the floor, I think they've won like 16 out of their last 17. They are on a tear. I mean, they dismantled Virginia, who's the four seed. Um, I, I personally – I think we've all agreed on this, how we don't know there are five. I think they got some sneaky value to actually win the, win the whole thing. Um, I personally have them in, in my final four, so I'm not really shy about this Duke team yes, at all. So do I. <laughs> I think I think Purdue is a I mean, obviously like following the big time they, closely. They I think one. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, I look at this four in Tennessee. I don't feel great about Marquette. I don't feel great about them at all. So then I mean, we just naturally fall in line to this Duke team that is very, very good to me and is so, so undervalued at the five. So Yeah, they, um, they, have, they have the uh, the notorious choker off the bench now. He's gone, Coach K. So yeah. They got they, – <laughs> They got new new blood in town. They they're ready to go. But and the funny, the greatest part about this tournament is like, you could easily see them losing to. I have them in my final four, and I can easily see them losing to Oral Roberts in the first round. You know what I mean? It's not oh, yeah some crazy shock. It's like a six and a half point spread, which is it's the beauty of the tournament. <laughs> All these close games, it's going to be phenomenal. But so Beach, um, I I think we're all on the same page here with. When Duke has a one or a two seed respect, I always want to fade them. I don't hate them as much now because Coach K's dumbass is gone and they <laughs> and they've kind of just been under the radar, which is crazy to say about any Duke team, but they've flown under the radar yeah, this with, year partially with their be- recruiting class and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Not- partially because Coach K's gone and they can't suck his cock every game partially because the ACC didn't have a great year. But the one team I see uh, a tough matchup for them and how I've kind of lined out this part of the bracket is the Memphis Tigers. Now, I might be a little homer here, but we've had a Memphis Tiger on the pod, Demaria Franklin, and his boys just took down Houston. They've played Houston now twice Two incredibly close games, one win, one loss, both within two points. Kendrick Davis is an absolute animal. I don't know how much basketball you've seen him play. Penny Hardaway's kid, great role player. Kendrick Davis can score with anyone in the country. Mars Franklin, always contributing on both sides of the ball. But I've watched Kendrick Davis put on against Houston twice in the last two weeks. And I think Houston Duke is what we're going to see in the second round. And I think that's going to be a whale of a game. So that would be, to me, just because of the matchup, perhaps a tougher, or it would be in the third round, sorry, because I have Memphis taking down Purdue in the second round. I've always, ever since I saw this fucking Purdue team step onto the floor this year, I knew they were going to be good, but I also knew that they were going to get bounced in the second round of the NCAA tournament. I think a lot of people feel this way, which makes me not feel as great about it. But find the difference between this Purdue team and the Purdue teams of the last couple of years that have gotten mopped by inferior opponents on paper come March. I know that they I know that they shut some people up by going out and winning the Big Ten. I do not give a fuck. I have a Memphis Duke clash in the Sweet 16. I think that'll be a great game. I think Duke has the edge. I kind of hate that we all have Duke making <laughs> making deep runs mm-hmm. now that we're all breaking it down. But that, to me, is an interesting part of the bracket, especially considering the one seed I do not believe will be there. I'm just now seeing some of these locations. Yeah, I haven't looked into the uh, the actual locations of everything. but I know. That Kansas region got Gen- screwed out of that. They were, could have played in Kansas mm-hmm. City if they got seeded up one, and they put them, uh, I think they put them in the West or something, right? Either way, yeah. that was just nuts. I can't remember. I think Illinois, yeah, Illinois is playing yeah, the West. Sacramento or something. 
Yeah, I mean, well, like, St. Mary's gets screwed too. They got to play three thousand miles away, and they're the five seed. <laughs> yeah. They're just they're just baiting these uh these twelve seeds to win. I mean, that I get. Well, actually, I I'm not going to pretend to get it because the regions don't make any sense. But flying out, flying a team from California to New York to play a, t- a, a team that's seven spots lower than them on the bracket doesn't seem too fair to me. Um, Especially an East Coast team. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you're moving three time zones over to play yeah, a team that you're the, the favorite. Bullshit. Like, and I, I know that's, I know that that's happened in a lot of, in different parts of this bracket. Um, Mizzou has to go to Sacramento to play Utah State. Alabama gets to play in Birmingham. That's nice, but not all of these, uh, not all of these teams get get so exactly lucky. get luck from um, from the regions they're put in based on how they're seated. Even though it's kind of shit. You know, I just read this crazy stat, and I'm looking at my bracket, and I'm thinking, I don't have this. Ready? At least one top four seed has lost in the first round in 13 of the past 14 tournaments, 32 of 37 overall. That's crazy. I'm looking at my bracket. I got chalk. I don't have a single one through four losing in the first round. I have. So I that have begs my question. Who would it be? Furman. Okay. Virginia. That is kind of where I was leaning towards. I do have that in a different, in the second bracket I have, because I'm kind of on the fence about that. Any other ones that kind of jump out, or are we all on the on the Virginia maybe losing train? Um, I actually think Virginia. I actually think Virginia's um, gonna gonna make a bit of a run. Mart, I was looking at that game earlier. It it's tough because I don't know much about Kent State. I did a little preliminary research. Indiana's a team I think can either has final four potential or has oh, yeah. first four out potential. Boomer so that would sure. be a game I'm looking at. I've, I've done a lot of research and Montana state is a terrible matchup for Kansas state. I actually, I've already taken Montana state to cover. It's something like Montana state. They score all of their points in the paint. Like they just got a great interior attack. And like, that's where K- Kansas state is really bad at defending the paint, Spread but they're really good at, and, yeah. at defending threes. They're really good at defending threes and Montana state doesn't shoot threes. So I think, I think Montana state's style of offense is going to kind of give Kansas state some problems. I think they, I don't know if they pull off the win. I mean, they're, I got them as eight and a half point underdogs, but. Well, you ready for another stat, Marty? Yeah. Each of the past four, number one or number three seeds to lose to a 14 seed came from the big 12. So there you go. K-State yeah. upset alert. So they, they, they could check both these boxes. Yes. Yeah. So literally that's two. St- I'm loving it. I'm making that pick now. K-State's out. I'm about, I'm about <laughs> I'm, I'm, the thing about a lot of these threes and fours is a lot of these teams, I think, have Elite Eight potential. I think Kansas State has Elite Eight potential. I think Indiana has Elite Eight potential. With that being said, Beach throwing that stat out there, someone's going down. Yeah, yeah. I also think I mentioned Iona. I ha- I think UConn. I think in one of my brackets, I have in the final four. I have in the final four too. <laughs> Me too. I- Me too. <laughs> Jeez, do we have the exact same bracket, fellas? God. We might. Should we just disclose our final four right now? 
because I honestly well, think we're just two for four right now. I think we should lock. I think we should lock in on who we want as as this top four seed. That's that's going to go down. I like I like what Mark's getting at here. It's K State. Yeah. Yeah, we're done. And and the funny oh, thing is, is there's another Big Twelve team that's a three seed. I know Baylor, Highland, but we're just. But not I think Baylor. Yeah. I think Baylor's. Get, I don't think UCSB is very good, but they have too much turn. They they've probably played it. They probably have more tourney games under their belt that's as a the roster. Thing. This, this is this is kind of a Kansas State entering a new environment where they're yeah. Very, and don't get me wrong, you can't discredit Kansas State. They've been phenomenal all year. But they lose first round of the Big 12 tournament and played like ass against TCU. We got smoked. And they're kind of – it's like, what have you done for me lately? You know what I mean? Th- those are the type of teams that go down. <laughs> we'll, go with, we'll go with Montana State as the king slayer this year of the top four teams. So, Beach, you said what, 32 out of 37 years? Yeah, 32 out of the last 37. But more importantly, it is the uh, – it's – Wait, thirteen. Yeah, thirty-two out of thirty-seven, and it's yeah, and it's thirty-two out of last thirteen out of fifteen. Thirteen out of last fourteen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I had to find it. So like that's like ninety-four percent. I mean, that's wild. Like you can like pretty much guarantee thirteen out of fourteen. Eighty-eighty-eighty-six and a half percent. And then thirteen out of fourteen. So like. So that's seven. Yeah, seven of every eight. Damn near. So that's. Yeah, we're uh, and we're trending. Uh, we're trending in one. the di- we're trending in a higher direction lately. So, um, I'm game. Let's go, yep. Montana State. Here we go. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so let's keep it rolling. Talked about our mm-hmm. our playing our playing games, our playing teams. We talked about our top four seeds going down. Mart, we touched on a team which I think Duke fits this bill a little bit, but I don't think their seat is quite as low as what we were getting at two episodes ago where we were talking about that Kentucky-Wichita State matchup where Mm -hmm. Wichita State, the number one overall uh, team in the country, the number one overall seed, and has to go and play a stacked Kentucky team that grabbed an eight seed. This Kentucky team has a six seed. What do you what do you think about this Kentucky team, where they're positioned in the bracket, and do they have the potential of taking down um who would it be Marquette? That would be um, their I have yeah. the I have the sweet sixteen and then but I also have I mean a team that I'd kind of like to talk about here too, right next to them, Michigan State. Yep. I yeah, I'm high on Michigan I have State. Beating. These are the teams Tom Izzo does the most with. It's not I, that's the another one State that the I have Michigan State in the Elite yeah. Eight. <laughs> Me, too, that was, Me too. That was another <laughs> State playing Duke. That was another um that was another bracket shortener that I was I was gonna get at is just Tom Izzo. He shortens a lot of brackets. If you look at this bracket, it's stunning. This the East. The five, six, and seven seed are three of the biggest blue bloods. I mean, I how is one of them crazy. not coming out of there? That's yeah. all I'm saying. Like for sure. Might as well throw Kansas and UNC in there. That's how many you got it. It's kind of remarkable. And what's even more remarkable, I think, is to, is to find them more underrated rather than maybe being like a Absolutely. one, two, three. It's a five, six, seven. I mean, you could mm-hmm. potentially – I got Kentucky, Michigan State, and then I got the winner meeting Duke. So 
Um, for me, I went full blue blood. I mean, I've kind of talked about this um, or this division being a little, this region being a little on the light side for me, not big on Purdue, not big on Tennessee. We just talked about Montana State beating K-State. Yeah. I'm not big on Montana. It's the perfect, I'm not. It's the perfect, uh, it's the perfect uh, region for you to pick one of those teams. Absolutely. There's no, so, there's, there's no, there's no big that. hitter. Earlier, I was looking at the 2015 tournament bracket because in 2015, fun fact, I got the entire Midwest region perfect. Holy Something shit. I will <laughs> never do again. But um, if if you look back, the only game that was really a surprise, especially as a Notre Dame fan who penciled them into the Elite Eight right away, you had yeah. the number one overall seed in the tournament in Kentucky in that region. Um, and then Notre Dame was like 28 and four that year they were unbelievable but the there might not be a prettier thing that i've seen in my entire life than seeing an entire green quadrant of the bracket so that was obviously the year that wisconsin ended up taking down kentucky but as i was looking at that bracket my eyes veered to the right quadrant which was the uh the east and I saw a seven-seed Michigan State team that year, 2015, go to the Final Four and lost to Duke. The Just the implications of that, every year since, it seems like Michigan State has been in a similar spot, been in that seven-seed, been in that eight or nine or that ten, been between a seven or ten. They haven't had these like world-beater squads. Izzo is just different. In March, he knows exactly how to play with his lineup to stir up some trouble. And he made a run. It's tough because every time you line up, you know that they're not as good a team as some of the higher seeds around them. But yeah, we have three of those teams stacked right next to each other, which might be the most interesting section of the bracket. So Mark, you said you have them Elite Eight. Yeah, I have Michigan. I have Duke beating Michigan State in the Elite Eight. Me as well. I actually have a bet on State to make the Final Four too. Like this <laughs> is when Tom Izzo like does it. I mean, honestly, I hate Michigan Dude, State. I'm telling I respect you, respect Michigan you, State basketball though, and he fucking does it. And you got it. Like you respect like the people. If you're riding with Purdue or Marquette, you got a good feeling. And if that happens, it happens. But. I don't know, dude. This is literally the perfect region to pick one of those teams. One of the Kentucky Duke or or Michigan State to go to the Final Four. There's because yeah. there was no heavy hitter. Yeah, uh, they took down in that year, they took down uh the two, the three, the two, the three, and the four consecutive games. They took down a number two Virginia team, a number three Oklahoma team, and then the number four Louisville team before losing to the number one Duke team who Ended up winning the whole thing. Um, that that year was actually loaded. Looking back yeah. at at these one seeds, um, Duke, Wisconsin, and Kentucky were all unbelievable teams. That I think any other year that Kentucky teams winning it, I think at any other year in between that Wisconsin team could win it. Just one last note on 2015. Um, I did research uh, a little bit ago just on the history of. I think Ken Palm started in 02. The highest adjusted efficiency rating of any team of all time uh, is 2015 Wisconsin. Kentucky. 2015 you wanna, Kentucky. 
Here, let's get a little stat here on the seven and two seed as well. Two seeds are seven and eight versus seven seeds in the past seven tournaments. So, and they're also, at the contrary though, so this is why this is the matchup to keep your eye on. On the contrary, two seeds are nine and one against 10 seeds since 2015. So two seeds dismantle sevens but lose to 10 or dismantle no, 10. I'm sorry. Yeah, but yeah, lose yeah. To yeah. So that's where I like Michigan state even more. Um, and then it keeps, makes me want to keep my eye on an exciting Missouri team um, as well. I think is another good seven, but um, I like these stats a lot. Honestly, I think it shows a lot, especially getting some of these recent stuff. Cause I think, you know, we talk about this a lot. I feel like on, on this podcast, no matter what sport it is, is like the gap closing, like, more with the transfer portals yeah and like especially that apply it to basketball where you know you see these point guards and everyone says guard guard play in march guard play in march well now they've been playing five six years i mean seven even six with this covid year so it's like the game has to slow down so much for you and i truly think that's never been more evident than in college basketball and uh you're seeing it recent more than ever i mean two versus seven seed you you should not be thinking that's 500 at best for the two seed. They're, they have a losing record since 2015. That's wild. This, this tournament is the most democratic product in the entire world. There's, there's nothing that could possibly just exhibit democracy in its finest form as the double, the NCAA tournament. And that's been my, that's been my heel with college football for years and how they've never, obviously you can't do it in the same volume. It's, it's not feasible. It's not the same sport, but to have a tournament where we're talking about 12 seeds teams, teams without a, 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 a starred recruit winning half of the time against teams that are going out and having top five recruiting classes year in and year out is such a beautiful thing there's nothing close to this and it like you said there's so many little intricate parts to this tournament that's kind of what this this episode has been all about there's so many of these intricacies that get overlooked until they just until you see it every year you know and then you you think oh yeah they got three fifth years the game is going at a snail's pace for them because they know yeah i can't turn this ball over I'm going to get to the line. I'm going to hit my free throws. Izzo has perfected it. That's why he's taken seven seeds consistently to the final four. These other teams, these mid-majors that have success, their guards have been around for a long time. They've been in every trap, every press, every double team that they could have possibly been in, where these top recruits, they've been going fucking hero ball when they have need to. Maybe their conference has been down and they've, put up 20 a game and then they get a VCU press on them that they've never seen before and they shit their pants. So that is the beautiful thing about this. And that is, that is how you see 12 seeds, which on paper and any other sport should not be winning at such an alarming rate. You know what I mean? But all over the bracket are these anomalies that start to not be anomalies because you see them year in and year out. That's a, that's, that's a great point. That's why I mean, loves it. 
I, um, another thing I'd like to, uh, I'd like to talk about too, is I feel like it's very easy for us to, I mean, wrap your head around like a top, top four seeds making the final four. Um, and it's kind of ballsy to, you know, pick a team seated seven or up to make this kind of run. But another one is at least one team seated seven or worse has reached the final four in eight of the last nine tournaments. Like that's something that I would never think about. But that's absolutely crazy to see that a team who we just got done talking about, like Michigan State, fits that mold. Um, I was wondering if you guys had any others kind of circled in that seven or up region that could possibly make this final four run. I actually have Memphis losing, but that's a picture-perfect team that is just so ta- so athletic and talented where they can go on a crazy run like that. But I don't, it's, yeah. it's tough, though. It's every, every year, like you said, with the seven out of the last eight with the seven, and you're trying, like you're trying to predict that, but man, is it tough because oh you yeah, get, like, you just absolutely. pick the wrong, you pick the wrong one, and then you're like, ah oh, shit, this this bracket's fucked. Like, that's yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, yeah, scrap it. But but they are worth. I think you're you're in a much better place when you have that in mind. You know what I mean when you have that in mind, and even if you're just if you're just interested in in taking down your bracket pool it's probably worth throwing in the extra 12-5 that you might not be confident about, you know, hedging your 12-5 upset because we're seeing one one of them win at an alarming rate. So if you double up, obviously what that does to your odds is, is tremendous. So um, in my case, you know, if I'm – I'll take VCU, but I'll hedge with – Charleston, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. not going to take that game, but when I just like to you... try and pick it all right, you know, I just want to get <laughs> oh. it all right. I mean, really, like that's all I want to do. I just realistically think I got to pick every game right. And yeah. that's probably why I suck at beating people in this because I don't do that kind of shit. But I love trying to like pick the team because there's nothing better than having a team on a run or being like, yeah, I had that game or being like, yeah, I had this eight seed to make a run and make the final four and win the natty like that. That's yeah, that's like that's that's a win. Like, I don't that's the men. That's the men from the boys beach. Everyone, everyone can get can pick a one seed. Everyone can pick the one seed that wins it all, but not everyone can take the 11 that fucking uh, not everyone can take an 11 seed UCLA to go to the final four. I take that. I take that. That puts more hair on your chest than winning your bracket pool because you took Kansas and they won it as a Damn one seed. Straight. So obviously, I'm I'm kind of talking in a duality here. Yes, we're all going out there to win our perfect bracket, but when you're just trying to take down a bracket pool. This is where these uh, these saber metrics, these bracket saber metrics, come into play. Playing the odds. I'm all so, analytics. I'm an yeah. analytics guy. I'm a junkie when it comes to March Madness. I mean. I play a money ball with your bracket. Up. Why not? I do. I go do. Go money oh, ball re- bracket oh, and go your bracket champ- where Michigan State's in the final. Like how do repeat champions do? You ask. They never make it past the Sweet Sixteen. I got the Jayhawks going down. I mean, like to yeah, me, so that's like okay. Let's line it up. Okay. Beach, I, think I mean, is Joey Hauser going to miss a free throw this tournament? <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. Um, eight seeds also like they're weirdly. Like the seed that makes kind of like the run 
to the final four out of these like bigger seeds. Like it's weirdly like an eight seed, which I don't know why, like out of like teams, like seeded like seven and up like eight seeds have six appearances. And like the closest one is like five, ironically out of number 11s. So it's really yeah, it weird. It makes sense five, considering like, like eight and their 11 first round. are like, like if you're going to pick like a seed six and up to make the final four, it's advantageous for you to make an eight or an 11 for like some weird reason. And it's not like any of us could even like really look at these teams. I mean, we've had kind of a conversation about like some of these eight nines or 11s, but it's not like any of us can realistically like make a case for that here. And like, that's, I think the beauty of March madness, as you said, Chuck, and you always do the most democratic system to elect a champion on the planet. But it's just so wild to me to see some of these stats and like going over time and just how certain seeds perform. Cause there's, there's a, yeah, there's the, a lot of data points behind these stats. Yeah, although the teams change, you know, the seed matchups remain the same and it's, it's a system that goes every year and it seems to be flawless every year. And God, I'm just so excited. <laughs> but yeah, beach, that is an interesting point because um, logically the eight seed relatively speaking has their t- the toughest matchup you know they have the most... yeah, a pick them to start yeah and then you got to play a one seed <laughs> they they on yeah. paper should be favored the least out of any team in the first round also most people pick eight nines interchangeably you know and because most people you look at the bracket and most of these teams a are interchangeable. Like you look at an Arkansas and an Illinois team who are in those spots this year, and then you start to you're like, wow, those are pretty similar teams in terms of their trajectory this year, the way their their conference play went, ups and downs and and big lulls. And a lot of a lot of those eight nines kind of go into it and are looking in the mirror, you know, because they're they're teams that fit the bill of a, a an under an a team that underperformed a little bit in conference, but is still highly talented and capable of making a run. And according to that stat, we might see one this year. I love this. I love March. I love <laughs> it. It gets me so excited. I mean, just to see some of these runs and just to be able to pick them. And I mean, we haven't even started on even like some of the gambling, but like just, I mean, picking some of those. So. I might have to circle in uh, an eight seed, you know, maybe sprinkle it to uh, make the, make or win the natty, um, which for me, if I had to pick any eight, I think would have to be Arkansas. Honestly, I, have, I, I think... have an Arkansas future I took two months ago. Wow. <laughs> All right, Mark. Give me the juice. Yeah. Yep. You're going to have to turn it back uh, on. They're capable, but they're going to have to turn it back on. They've, they've slept walked a little bit down the stretch here. Yeah. Three, they got three first round picks on their team. So, yeah. The yeah the the other thing, Beach. I don't know if you, if you missed what what I was saying with Mar, with Mark before you got in here was how our country basically just gifts us an extra hour of daylight for the tournament. Yeah, you know, it's so and nice. Mark's got to go. It's his big bros twenty sixth. I bet Bob has a heinous bracket cooking. If I know anything yeah. about Bob. But um, yeah, Mar, you have a good yeah. time. We'll finish up here yeah. with Beach, and yeah, yeah. Um, see you guys. We'll see you after our first uh, first sixteen and eleven are set. Yes, sir. See you. See you, Mar. Well, then there were two, but <laughs> man, it seems I was cracking up because it seems Marty and I have very similar brackets. And yeah, 
bizarre way, which shocks me because it's like, do we really, to splitting gaps, really think that similar? Um, do you put, I, you obviously, you probably picked up on this. I'm, I'm a kind of an analytical guy when it comes to March Madness. Mm-hmm. I've been talking a lot. Um, the Ken Palm thing. Have you seen that? Um, since like 2002, when Ken Palm began tracking it, 19 of the 20 national champions finished in the top 25 in adjusted offense and defensive efficiency. Um, So that's crazy to me. And so that leads me to believe that either Houston, Alabama, Texas, UConn, and UCLA are going to hit that criteria. So, and Purdue, Kansas, Creighton, Texas A&M, FAU, Maryland, Memphis, and St. Mary's are close, but they're not going to make it. So, do, do you realistically think we can pick a champion then out of these five? I named Houston, Alabama, Texas, UConn, UCLA. I mean, I really like the top four teams. I think Houston, Alabama, I think those are actually ironically my final four um, in one, I think. I like or I like Texas over Houston in the Elite Eight, but and then add Duke. So I'm kind of all over those teams. Like I have a Texas, Yukon, Alabama, Duke Final Four. Yeah. I, Ken Palm is I mean, last year we all know the race to 69, how that what that was given us in those live bet oh. spots where it was hitting at an ungodly rate. I still do it. I still do it. Yeah. And I know in I know in college football we saw two was it three years ago now four years ago um, we saw the it was the first time in is it fourteen years that the number one and number two in both offense and defense matched up and that was the Ohio State Clemson game the only other time that it happened was the perhaps many in many minds the greatest college football game of all time the was the 2006 Rose Bowl USC in Texas um yeah. and that and the the second the Ohio State Clemson lived up to the hype so when you're talking about both the efficiency on both sides of the ball there's not much to argue and when i was going through the bracket and playing out the different scenarios a little bit at work today there was not a lot of scenarios that I was able to come up with where I was not seeing Alabama and Houston right there in the final, final weekend of the season. I'd say other than the teams you've mentioned in that fit this criteria, the only other team I was really very high on because I have, we we've mentioned UConn, the only other team that I don't think you mentioned in, in those in that Kempom ranking was Arizona. Yeah. So they're not on I, it. They're not, I guess on, they're not even in the close, honestly. I guess if we're keeping this trend of kind of building, you know, building these paths in our bracket based on, on this historical data, then Arizona would be, I'd, I'd, I'd go the opposite as you and, and go with the, the, the high seed that maybe stay away from taking them all the way which would be Arizona because they don't fit that criteria. They'd also, yeah. to get to the final four, have to take down Alabama, who by all accounts may be the most well-rounded team in the country. So, yeah, I it, you always seem, you know, you, you hate yourself because you see how chalk a lot of your bracket looks right away, but then you realize 
They're one seeds for a reason. They're top ranked in offensive and defensive efficiencies for a reason. Maybe I don't have to feel too bad about penciling in Alabama and Houston, right? You know, right there, right down to the, yeah. the final four. So I got a stat those, to stay away from Houston too, though. All right, you ready? 33 years percentage? since the no 33 years since the last time a champion came from a conference that received fewer than four bids. So that's Houston and Gonzaga this year. Okay. So I'd say 33 years. I mean, that's kind of crazy. So not to necessarily could make title game. Yeah. But um, if you have them against like Bama or something, that just leads me to say, okay, Bama's gonna win that game. Um, you know, it's it's just crazy. Like, yeah, yeah those two like, teams get to know how. I feel like a lot of of what we've been getting at in terms of counting some teams in, counting some teams out, it's all kind of happening around away or I should say away from Alabama where it's where Alabama is kind of like they'll be there. You know what I mean? We yeah. they not they don't have that that Duke or that Michigan State team that we're mentioning or that powerful 12 or that powerful 8 um that eight right yeah the eight not the nine um mm-hmm. maryland i maryland or west virginia if it is that eight, if if we do see an eight make a run i don't think it's going to be maryland so if we're if we're checking all these boxes i think alabama fit i think alabama might be just the perfect team to culminate our uh our discussion here our analytical discussion here Houston, if they're playing with a a Marcus Sasser that's not a hundred percent, that's another factor in this. He's one of the best players in the country, and he's had some some health issues. So if he's not a hundred percent, this Houston team is not a hundred percent. Another big factor into Houston's possible title run. I mean, yeah, he, that's kind of why I, I was big on Houston, but I'm never really sold on these teams. Like making, I think. Like kind of, like kind of like Gonzaga, like that's kind of how they remind me in the past. Like very good, like dominant team, but it's like okay, did you play that much competition kind of throughout your through your conference, you know? Um, so that's why I stay away from Houston, and then also like the the injury, as you pointed out. Um, but like talking about like Bama, like another crazy thing is the number one overall seed has lost more times during the four first weekend than been a number one than been a champion. So that's like Bama's ability to lose first weekend is more probable from the statistics standpoint than they are to be national champions. And here we are like saying they'll like make it and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of complicated there, but I do agree with you that they're my team. I mean, I have them winning for sure. And one, they were kind of like that lock I had just putting in my favorite to win. And then I kind of started doing a, a second bracket where you can kind of start talking yourself into picking Picking different teams that you can more, you know, stretch the run and stuff. But I will say, I think it's a lot more wide open tournament than we've had in years past. So um, I'm excited for a couple teams to hopefully make runs. I think it's cool seeing some of these blue bloods at a lower seed, um, Mm -hmm. different than what we've seen, but spot on with your comparison with eight seed Kentucky um, from a few years ago. I know it was 2014 because that team beat Michigan in the Elite Eight uh, to keep Michigan from going to back to back Final Fours. So um, hell of a team there, and I think um, there's a couple teams who could fit that mold, um, whether it be six seed Kentucky, 
seven seed Michigan State or um, even some of these like other six seeds and seven seeds we've been talking about. But and always stay away from the double digits, especially the 11s. Um, and I like I like the conversation we started with a lot of these playing games. So one of these teams is going to make a run. Um, you got to have a double digit team in your sweet 16. Yep. Um, it's pretty probable it's going to be an 11. I think it's even more probable it's going to come from one of those playing games. Uh, so I'm excited for tonight. Um, I am. Yeah, I like this has been kind of a crash course for and I'm going to get this out as soon as possible for those that haven't been too, you know, haven't been looking at Ken Palm religiously to say the least uh, ahead of this tournament, but want to want to kind of get things sorted ahead of this tournament when it really kicks off on Thursday. So I, I do think, you know, we might not be right on all the teams we're picking, but a lot of the spots that we're talking about are going to be there. So all you all you can ask is to get put in the right spot in this in in your bracket pool in your in your uh in whatever bets you're however you're choosing to bet this tournament so uh we're gonna try to get back um probably keep it Tuesday so we could get these out Wednesday in between rounds when things are gearing back up uh for the weekend going down and uh yeah can't wait best month of the year